Welcome to the RCC Points of View podcast, brought to you by the Scottish Residential Childcare Workers Online Forum. In this episode, I talk to a senior manager with over 30 years' experience working within the field of RCC. Amongst other things, we discussed the fusion between the public, private and charitable sectors. Some of the opportunities associated with joined up working alongside the opportunity of the National Care Review and the Promise presents. We also discussed physical restraint, cross-border placements, leadership and the need to be brave at this pivotal period within the sector. I really enjoyed interviewing this professional and I hope you enjoy listening too. So without further ado, please welcome John Ryan. Hi, John. Thank you so much for taking part in the podcast. So, first question, just tell us a wee bit about yourself and pretty much your involvement in residential childcare in Scotland. Hi, Joel. Thanks very much for the opportunity to, to have this conversation today. So, a wee bit about me. Uh, John Ryan, I work for Aberlour Childcare Trust. I'm an assistant director there and I've been with Aberlour uh, since 2006. So I've been here in Aberlour for 15 years. My kind of background in residential childcare goes back to 1986 when I started working in 39 Station Road, which is Carlotte Children's Home. Uh, and back in those days, it was a, a 27 bedded children's home. Uh, and I stayed there uh, from 2000, or sorry, from 1986 to 1998. And I moved to South Lancaster Council's Registration Inspection Unit. Uh, and had a particular focus on residential care, given my, my, my background. Uh, stayed in the inspection unit until 2001, when we went to live in Ireland, and I picked up a job with the East Coast Area Health Board in the south of Ireland, where my responsibility was around managing the health board's own directly provided children's houses, but also managing the contract with the the, uh, the third sector, it was charities that we tended to work with uh, in East Coast Area Health Board. Stayed there until 2003, came back to Renfrewshire uh, in 2003 and stayed there until 2005 and went back to uh, inspection uh, to the Care Commission for a year from 2005 to 2006. And in all of the jobs that I've done, Joe, there's always been a strong connection with residential care. So I've I feel I grew up in residential care, uh, although I didn't grow up and I started in the children's home in when I was 19 right. years old. Uh, and you know, Joe, I fell in love with it. I didn't know what it was. I hadn't a clue what I was going to do. Uh-huh. And I can still remember day one uh, thinking, oh my goodness. Uh, and that first day, Joe, was quite a transformational day because actually the truth of the matter is that when I walked into this children's home, uh, I'd wanted to work with older people during the summer, and uh, it was a summer uh, place, a, a summer job when I was at, at university. And they sent me to work in this children's home. No clue what it was, and I went because uh, my mum had this thing: don't ever let anyone down. And I'm maybe talking about you know the influence of my mum in my career, but 
as I walked in, there was someone who was in my year at school walking down the corridor. And when I remember this, this, this girl as she was at the time, uh, I remember her from school, Joe. And she was, if there was a fight, she was in the middle of it. And I was terrified of her. But the day that I seen her in June 1986 in the children's home, I thought, ah, and I understand why you were fine because she was living with untold disadvantage of being in a children's home. The expectations of her were so poor. She had everything that happened to her. And actually, like I thought, I found a space actually. I can bring a bit of energy and determination into this. I can help. So since 1986, 35 years later, here I am, still like in love with the work, Joe. It's, it's so so rewarding. Uh, away from work, uh, married to Michaela. I've uh, got a son, Patrick, who's twenty four. He's a ballet dancer. Goodness knows how that happened. And he's traveling the world, which is absolutely great. Uh, I was a fair, fairly competitive footballer. You know, played a really decent standard uh, at amateur level in Scotland. Uh, and was, you know, like fiercely, fiercely competitive, uh, would seek every advantage. Uh, and I'll talk a wee bit because I wanted to be a footballer when I grew up. And one of the questions that we're going to cover here maybe is what, you know, what advice might I give myself? Well, actually, to follow your dreams, Joe. And when yeah. I grow up, I want to be a professional footballer. So still try to keep myself a bit active. Uh, do a bit of triathlon, like running. Well, maybe people wouldn't call it running. Maybe fast walking is what they would describe me. <laughs> Swimming and cycling. So that's a wee bit about me. I'm the youngest of five children. Spent the first seven years of my life living in France. Uh, and came back to, to Scotland. So that's a wee bit about me, Joe. Brilliant. So looking back to your first experience of working in that children's home, was it? I think you said 27 children, and it was a, a, a high number. Bedded. Yeah. 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 And one of the, the children was that still, was that girl actually still living there as a, a resident, or was she, she was working there? She, she was, was still living, living there. there. She right. was living there. So that must have been quite strange, just in terms of her, you know, basically, you know, seeing you in a different role and pretty much you seeing her, you know, has been, as you, as you touched on, yeah, a young person in care. How you know? How did that relationship evolve? Because you were there for a while. You no, know, you were there for a good. You know, a good I, was there, I was there for about thirteen years, Joe. Uh, I suppose what it meant actually is I saw her in a completely different light, and we never spoke about you know like oh we were in the same year at school. But what I saw was someone, and it's really really interesting when we think about the promise in twenty twenty one or twenty twenty. We're still talking about stigma, Joe. And I suppose for me, that kind of first connection, if you like, that real connection was about helping the children who are in the care system through no fault of their own to fight that stigma. And I suppose that that, that uh, so that was really, really important. That was a really, really important moment for me. And actually, when I think back to those, those days, Joe, the people who are working in residential care just now, it's, there's a lot of similarities and a lot of difference. But in those days, Joe, there'd be one of us on shift for nine children. 
yeah, that's that's you know, very. Yeah. It was it was phenomenal, Joe. Because when we read the promise, it talks about being able to have fun with children, have laughter with children, and we tried to do that, Joe. We loved those children, and the first, do you know what the first key child that I had? I can remember him standing. I can see him standing in front of me. I loved that boy to bits, Joe. Mm-hmm. You know what? I had uh, aspirations for him. I had hope for him. I wanted this boy to succeed in life. Yeah. And um, what was the age difference between yourself and that particular boy? Can you remember? It'd be five years at the time. So he would be 14. Uh, it was just, I think, in second year at school. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and do you know what? I think what kind of got me through that, I was like, I always wanted to do things with the kids and, you know, the manager at the house, like, you need to stay in here a bit. It's like, come on, let's get out. You know, they're always that kind of explorer, get them in the minibus and just new experiences for children, you know, get out and about. You know, some of these kids had never been out of Lanark. So all of a sudden there they were, you know, going over the fourth road bridge thinking they were going to a different country. Uh, yeah. Great day. <laughs> Aye. No, that's really in- interesting. And I suppose as you moved through your career, um, you're now a senior manager and, you know, pretty much kind of dealing with operational stuff uh, and strategic stuff. So in respect to my next question, we're talking about that kind of the relationship between local authority, residential care, the third and charitable sector and the private sector. You know, how do you feel the three sectors function together at the moment? I think they've all got a common interest, Joe, and the common interest is to do the very best that they can for the children that they're looking after. Uh, I think that we live in a real challenge around, for example, the way the services are commissioned. Uh, And I absolutely understand the reason that commissioning is in place. Obviously, there's a legal imperative, but I think what's, what's happened actually is that you know the, the relationship in many respects between local authorities or the third sector and the, the private sector who are commissioning or who are tending for services has become quite competitive. And I don't think that was ever, ever the intention. So I think there's room for the for local authorities to work differently with the third sector and indeed the private sector uh, and people who want to do good things for children. Uh, and we see that happening in a number of authorities where, where they want what the authorities want. And this is where the independent sector needs to step in. They don't want ever to do the same thing. They want the best of, you know, they want diversity in the services, but they want the best of everything. Mm-hmm. And that needs to be uh, applauded. But I think that the, the way that the commissioning set up one of the unfortunate byproducts is it's it's kind of created a competitive uh, environment, and I don't think that's the best thing. Yeah, yeah, no, that's a really good point. And is, it, is there any solution to that that you can think of? You know, if you if you're able to influence, I suppose, Scottish government or the commissioners in terms of who commissions services, Scotland XL essentially, what, what would you do differently? Well. I think that the promise gives us a real opportunity. So, you know, that Joe, having been around 
residential care since the 1980s. There's been, this is the third landmark report, so going away back to 1992, so 30 years next year, the Skinner report was published. And then in 2009, Higher Aspirations and Brighter Futures was published. And that began to talk about commissioning. Uh, so what would I do to, to begin to, I actually think we need a conversation about how can we get the best from services uh, to be able to meet the needs of what children and families actually need. And I think that's where the real opportunity that the promise and the independent care review have really, really challenged Scotland to step into a space whereby we really listen to what children and families need. And I think in terms of influence and change at government level, uh, I think if we're really, really interested in bringing around change, we need to listen to what children and families are telling us. We can continue to do the same thing, but unless we really, really hear what children and families tell us they need, then we're going to be failing them. So, so for me, there's a real opportunity within the context of the promise just to listen uh, and offer solutions to local authorities as opposed to selling services, which means that the independent sector can flex and adapt and be innovative around what local authorities and indeed children and families need. Okay. So I suppose that kind of brings me nicely on the next question, which, you know, what's currently missing in Scotland that would prevent children and young people in the care system? So in terms of your current role and your influence, what kind of services would you like to see in place just now? So, Joe, I don't know if there's anything that's necessarily missing. I would probably suggest to you that there are things that we could be doing differently. So, for example, uh, family support. You know, we talk about early intervention. And I suppose that some of the work that, you know, that I've seen happening in Aberlour, for example, is that, we, you know, while we want to be in as early as possible with families, what we've learned, what families tell us, is not necessarily about being an early, but it's being in when they need us, Joe. And that means that, you know, the families that we work with will tell you the problems don't wait till Monday morning at nine o'clock. If that mm -hmm. means that you need to be in there at seven o'clock on a Saturday night with a family, then so be it. Or that means that you need to be available to a family at three o'clock in the morning, then so be it. So I don't know if that's something that's missing. I think there's an opportunity to do that kind of work a bit differently. And I also think when you read the promise about thinking about how we think about risk and, you know, so for example, how can we help those families to stay together? Uh, and rather than think about something that's missing, how can we deliver services to, to the family that are the right services for family that allow us to think, because the, the, the promise really, really challenges us to think about risk a bit differently. And yeah. this isn't about exposing children and indeed families to to, to un, unacceptable levels of risk, but sometimes working differently and working hard to try and hold that family together. Because if you can get them over that hump, then families aren't being separated. Uh, so I don't necessarily think that's something that's missing. I also think there's a real opportunity to allow, I think the promise actually, thinking with the Social Work Scotland hat on, gives us a real opportunity to to reclaim our profession as professional social workers. We train to practice social work 
we train to have positive influence on children and families. And maybe as part of the promise, as we begin to think about really, really what's important for children and families, one of the things that can change is we give our social workers and other key professionals more time to do that direct work that the children and families tell us that they need. Yeah, that's a really, a really good point. And I think from, our, from where I stand, I only see social workers in this day and age case, case manage. You know, and it must be very frustrating for social workers when, you know, that, that's a primary task at the moment. And really they're leaving the case, you know, the, the case work, uh, you know, or doing direct work, as you would say, yeah. down to the residential uh, staff, you know, so it may be frustrating, you know. Um, I also think, Joe, that we need to, to you know, Aberlour has a strategy, we call it being brave. We need to be brave enough to ask some, some really, really challenging questions and to accept some of the realities without saying, you know, when I talk about opportunity for social work, social workers are working under huge, 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 huge pressure. Uh, huge, huge pressure. But I think as a social worker, I trained to be able to have a positive impact on the children and families that would do and we work in a reality and maybe again when we think about the, the promise when we think about regulation and rules and the things that we do maybe there's a real opportunity for us to, to reimagine what we're doing just to create a bit of capacity from within what we're actually already doing mm -hmm. to focus on what matters and that's the relationships because again the promise reminds us about the importance of relationship. Right. Okay. So in terms of you mentioned there being brave and you know the notion of relationship being really kind of key. So in respect to that, what do you what do you think makes a good leader and a good manager? So Joe there's a, there's far more brighter people than me who've tried to to unpick what's the difference between leadership and management. So I suppose for me, what makes good people who can make a difference for children and families is where I kind of start here. So strong personal values. And I say that deliberately, Joe, because our personal values are what bring us into the work. And without those, I think then working within professional codes and professional values are quite is quite tricky. So Leaders and managers need to have respect and be respectful of themselves, their colleagues, of the children and families, and indeed all of the other professionals and, and people that they meet in the context of their lives. Integrity is really, really important. And integrity for me actually means that, you know, it's okay to make mistakes. Integrity is about owning that. So if you've got that, uh, without feeling that you're going to be blamed, then I think that's a really, really, really powerful quality to have. Being compassionate, Joe, because there are far too many children in, in Scotland. You know, the statistic of one in four living in poverty is something that we really need, that needs to change. So within the context of people who are working with children and families, they need to have compassion in them, Joe, because without that, we can't function. Humility, Joe, is really, really important. Uh, and being your authentic self. So the question is that, who are you, John? 
well, this is who I am, actually. And always being that person that, you know, when I think about having those dreams, being your authentic self. Because the children that we work with, Joe, and you will know this from your own experience of residential care, they can see through the masks that, that we put on about these kind of, you know, like, like uber professional people. And the promise really, really helps to think about that. So people who are their, their authentic selves and people who have hope. So those are some of the personal qualities. And I think what makes an outstanding leader are people who have got vision and drive. You know, what is it we want our children and families to experience? What is it we want residential childcare in Scotland to experience? If you've got that, Joe, I think those are, those are really, really dear and powerful qualities and people will follow that. Uh, and a determination and openness. And really the final thing I would say, Joe, is uh, around being available and being visible to people. Because mm -hmm. you know, that while I've been around this for a long time, in my role, where I ground myself actually, is in connecting with the children and young people and the people who are working there every single day. And I think for me, that gives you a bit of uh, currency and a bit of respect because people know that you're beside them. Yeah. And we need to be vulnerable, Joe. We need to be vulnerable. If you've got those qualities, we're going to get it wrong, but we can't beat ourselves up for it. Yeah, absolutely. So in terms of vision and drive, when you think about the recommendations of the promise, do you think that it will become a reality? Of course it will, Joe. And do you know what I love about the promise? And you were at the Social Work Scotland meeting in March 2020. We're all confused about dates. And Michael Stewart <laughs> was at the meeting and he was talking about the promise. And there was question marks about what the government want to do. And what Michael said, and this is the promise is an invitation for us to act, Joe. So actually, the vision is there. We can and we will make it work. Because as I said to you, 30 years next year, the Angus, the Angus Skinner report was published. 12 years ago, Romy Langland's report was published. Maybe I'm being a wee bit melancholic here, Joe, but this is, feels like my kind of last throw of the dice. Right. So for me, within the context of what I'm doing, I'm determined that what I'm doing in Aberlour with the services I've got responsibility for will step into that space. Within the context of Social Work Scotland, being the chair of the subgroup, we will mm -hmm. embrace the promise. We will see what's working really, really well, and we want to, to highlight that because I'm really really, really privileged and proud to be part of that group whereby we have a far stronger uh, subgroup now than we ever had, where we can share learning. The appetite for sharing is great, but what we can do through that, through the promise work actually, is begin to identify gaps and use the standing committee and use the chief social work officers group and indeed connect with the promise team to say, here's an emerging gap. Mm -hmm. So I am absolutely determined that we will realise the, the ambitions of the promise and the recommendations. Yeah, that's really good. And I suppose in terms of you mentioned the various kind of groups you're involved in, in terms of the Social Work Scotland subgroup, um, you know, I said, 
what other you, you mentioned another couple, couple of groups. He just maybe kind of gives you a wee bit of background on some of the groups, yeah. and also is there anything so far you're most proud of that you've been part of that's kind of came to fruition? So there's there's probably two things. So probably what I would want to to say, Joe, is that back in 2018, and you were at this conference, the Scottish Institute for Residential Childcare had a conference in Edinburgh. And at that conference, there was a challenge made to the residential childcare sector in Scotland to stop restraining children. And it was an unsophisticated challenge. It was a really, really direct question. So what I'm proud of, Joe, I'm proud to have been part of a sector that's listened to that and has embraced that challenge and has gone beyond feeling threatened by that challenge and has created momentum in the sector for change. Because when you think about the promise, it talks about an ambition that children should live in a restraint-free Scotland. So I'm really, really proud to have been part of that. Within the context of Aberlour, we've been doing some work uh, and we'd started that work just at the time that conference was starting because what our children were saying to us, unsurprisingly, is they didn't like being restrained. And what the adults who were working with the children were saying, they don't like restraining children. And what I'm really, really proud of is the work we've done in Aberlour to help transform how we think about children, how we think about their distress, but also how we think about the adults who are working there. And the promise to go back, one of the things I'm really, really proud of that we've done, we've introduced uh, some clinical psychologists to our work. Uh, so okay. in Fife, we work with uh, Dr. Shona Quinn uh, and in Highland, we work with Dr. Penny Knoll. And that's really, really, really important because what that work, that's that's non-clinical work with, with the children. Mm -hmm. This is about creating some containment, if you like, for the adults because Joe, Jim Anglin, if you remember from the SIT conferences, Jim Anglin says, you know, residential child care isn't rocket science. And we all do what you're doing. We all know and say, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> And then the next slide pops up and he says, it's far more complicated than that. Yeah. And that's our reality, Joe, because as, you know, when I, I think back to Kilo Children's Home in the, the 80s, the things that I loved about it are the things that I love going into the children's house about now. We can connect with the children. What I'm really proud about is the introduction of that psychological support for the teams recognises and values what they're actually doing and gives them a different space to think. Yeah. Very, very important. You know, that, that, that space and that kind of, I suppose, person that's on a consultative basis there to, to be used and be kind of impartial in many respects. I think that's crucial. So I'm really kind of impressed with that, eh, John. So seeing back to the bit about, you know, you, you mentioned the, the work with the Scottish Physical Restraint Action Group, essentially, yeah. through Celsius. And that that whole kind of, there's lots of people calling, you know, people with lived experience, people who are in direct practice, people in academia saying physical restraint should be banned. No, should it be banned? So do you know, Joe, that, and I'm not, I'm not copping out of the question, should it be banned? Mm -hmm. Because I think 
for me, when we talk about that, when we get into that language of banning, to me, that's taken us back the way. Mm -hmm. And we, because there'll be a voice for it should be banned and a voice for it shouldn't be banned. I suppose that what we've got is a, an opportunity within the gift of the promise to think about what would it take for us to deliver services where restraint is no longer used. And I'm really, really fortunate to work with some fantastic people. Uh, our chief executive, Sally Ann Kelly in Aberlour has you know, a really, really positive endorsement for residential childcare. My director of children's services, Jim Wallace, is really, really passionate and has got direct experience of working in it as well. But one of the things that Jim challenges us to think about in Scotland is that in 25 years time, are we going to look back and say, are we really restraining our most vulnerable children? So let's not think about banning, let's take the opportunity to work to position where we eradicate it. Because we, as I say, that the language of banning is really, really unhelpful. You spoke about the Scottish Physical Restraint Action Group and what I love about that group, and I think it's really important that we recognise and respect the work of Joanne McMeekin from Celsius and Gordon Main and Sarah Daly and Laura Steckley who have driven that work. The invitation to has been really, 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 really positive. There's also another group, Joe, uh, and you know I often laugh because it's really, really hard to get the, the acronyms right. Uh, <laughs> but there's a group that's been set up by the uh, the, the Scottish government and uh, is chaired by Charlie McMillan uh, of the Scottish Consortium for People with Learning Disability, and it's called the Scottish Network for the the reduction of restrictive practice. And what that network is doing, that's, that's teasing out and exploring what it will take for not only childcare services in Scotland to not use restraint, but that's a phenomenal group. And again, Charlie McMillan is a formidable character because we've got the Scottish Prison Service who are, who are now thinking about restraint. We've got the state hospital who are thinking about restraint. We've got Police Scotland who are thinking about restraint. We've got uh, services for people with complex physical and emotional needs who are thinking about restraint. It's fantastic, Joe, the energy that's around in Scotland to move away from the practice. It's been part of our history, Joe. We move mm -hmm. on from it. So I, I don't think of it you know, is banning it because I think that encourages people to take really, really intransigent positions. Yeah, that's a really good point. So you mentioned history. So thinking about your own history as a young, a young worker, you know, back in the, the kind of mid eighties, early eighties. If you could think back to that, I know you, you mentioned it at the beginning, but I suppose going back as an anything, you would give yourself in terms of advice that you could capitalise upon just now? So as a residential worker, Joe, the advice that I would give myself now is to be grateful for the privilege that you get every single day to meet the children in your care. Mm -hmm. to, be, to be grateful for that privilege. And one of the things that I do in Aberlour, I do a kind of weekly update for the teams and I remind myself of the privilege 
and hope that they can be reminded of the privilege. Mm-hmm. I spoke about being humble, Joe. Always remain humble. Always yep. remain humble and always remain grateful uh, to yourself. And I, I think I mentioned my mum, Joe, and maybe as of age, you know, that I'm 10 years from retirement. Uh, but my mum would always have this saying about, don't ever let anyone see you don't try. Mm-hmm. Within the context of residential care, when you hear Laura Beveridge speaking, Laura Beveridge, when you hear her speaking, she would talk about at the time that she needed the care system the most, people gave up. Now, I'm sure that, that people, that it was difficult and you know, there was difficulties around this time, but this determination, you know, when I look back and say, actually, don't ever let anyone say that you didn't try. And that means we need to be open and reflective and have the energy and the pace and determination to keep going, even when it seems impossible, Joe. Yeah. That, that's something that always to, to, to worth, you know, having in your mind a bit, a bit. Sometimes it might seem an impossible task. Um, but as you say, if you listen to Laura, somebody like Laura Beveridge, and for people listening, if you, if you just type into Google, Laura Beveridge TED Talk, there's a really inspirational TED Talk, you will see, it really kind of kick-started the beginnings of where we are just now with the promise, really. That yeah. was part of that, that whole kind of process was, was Laura's talk. You know, so that's a really good point. And I kind of missed this bit, just a bit of a lower in terms of, is there any kind of pioneering work that's happening just now? You know, and I, I seen some stuff been advertised about the kind of joint working with Kibble. Yeah. I don't know if you can give us a wee bit on that or anything else just before we can finish up. So probably three things to say, Joe. So, and it's linked to the advice that you would give yourself when you're younger. So thinking about Aberlour, the importance of relationship, Joe, and what that means, that's really, really important. And when I think way back through my career and through my life, there's been key people and whoever's listened to this podcast, I would invite you to Google Ian Wright and Mr. Pigden. Mm. Because he's a transformational character in his life. And he was someone who believed in Ian Wright. And when I think about my career and I think about my life, there's been key people, be it Jerry Reynolds, my very first PE teacher, who believed in me. And when I think about Aberlour, I work in an organisation that believes in me, Joe. And that's Mm -hmm. really, really empowering. Uh, The pioneering work, the work we've been doing around family support, uh, is really, really pioneering. And what is the pioneering around that? And what we're resolutely proud around that is we're listening to what the, the children and families are saying that they need. Uh, and as Jim Wallace would say, my director, what the families say to us is be on their sides, don't be on their backs. Mm-hmm. Therefore, when you think about the importance of relationship, and you alluded there, Joe, to the work that we're doing with Kibble, uh, so early in this conversation, we spoke about, you know, the, the, our programme around restraint reduction. We've seen huge impact in that programme so far. Uh, and restraint in our houses, we have seven houses. Maybe over the last 12 months, I think there's been three restraints and we can look after up to 24, 26, 37 children. So it's very, very unusual. And so what we are doing with Kibble is we're really, really interested to work with organisations 
to hear about what their aspirations and hopes are, but to help those organisations engage with the children uh, and indeed the workforce who are around them and with anyone else who's got a say about what services are like. So that programme is, is, is developing. Uh, it's built around a really, really useful uh, framework, which is, which is based around the Scottish Standards for Service Design. Mm-hmm. And that, uh, that framework really, really, really holds your feet to the flame about listening to what children and families tell us they need, because what it actually says to you is don't start developing services until actually you've really listened to what people say that they need. Yeah. Uh, so we're hugely, hugely excited around that programme. And what we are absolutely conscious about is that that programme will help organisations think about the culture in which they're operating. And mm-hmm. uh, because for me, every one of us who comes into this work, Joe, I'm thinking about social workers, we all want to make a positive difference yeah. to children and young people. We don't come to this work to the same child. No. So that work with Kibble, I am absolutely confident, will continue the transformational journey to really, really help Scotland meet the promise. That's great, John. Well, thank you very much. That that really does conclude all the questions that I've got. You know, it's uh, again just like all the podcasts, you've brought something really different. I think a different kind of you know perspective because of your position within uh, your organisation and your own journey. It's been a, a unique journey, and it's it's great to hear different. You know, there's always a, a thread there. You know, a kind of, yeah. I can afraid it's very similar, but there's always a wee different slant on it. And I think that's the, the great thing about these podcasts. Yeah. You know. So yeah. thanks very much, John. Uh just is there anything else just before we well do you know what, Joe? The final thing that I would say, and it's that that thing, when I worked in the inspection service in South Lanarkshire, Liz Norton was manager there, and Liz was a formidable woman, great mm-hmm. character. And Liz was always really challenging me to think about my development but she always said to me you know think about your future don't ever be the person who's just the guy who does residential child care 35 years later joe i'm still doing it and i've got no intention of going anywhere else because you know the the fire is burning in me and that determination that the children and young people indeed the teams who are around them will do the best we can to make the children's life better that gets me up every day joe and that may be a wee bit twee for people but that's authentic joe so oh, no. thank you for the opportunity to talk the podcasts are great joe you're shining a light residential care that's great and it's, it's good to hear that john so it'd be great to get the feedback for uh, our listeners and also i'm sure people will be looking to get take part off the back of you know, your contributions so thank you thank you joe Thank you so much to John for giving up his time to share his wisdom. I hope you enjoyed listening and as always, please share this podcast across your networks and if you'd like to take part in this podcast, do get in touch. Thank you.